and welcome to episode 146 of the Dinner Sisters podcast, where two sisters taking on the nightly challenge of dinner. I'm Kate Schultz, living and working in Sparta, Georgia. I'm a passionate cook and recipe collector, always thinking about my next meal. And I'm Betsy Wallace. I live, work, and raise a family in Atlanta. And Kate, uh, we're sitting next to each other today. Sure are. To record. Like really close to each other. It's a new era. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am planning and cooking for my family of five. And this week we have a special episode. We're cooking kind of fancy dinner. Yeah. Fancy dinner for a family of five. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that turned mm-hmm. out. Exactly. So our goal with this podcast, fancy dinner or not, is to cook a little better, learn a little bit about food, and most importantly, figure out what the heck to have for dinner. And normally this is where I say, like every week, but this is not like every week. This week... We cooked a fancy dinner, and Betsy did it with some new friends mm-hmm. um, who have an awesome dinner pop-up. And, yeah, tell us about it. Like, what happened? So we decided – I do have friends who have a dinner pop-up in non-COVID times. Mm. So very, Remember those? Remember, remember dinners? The, yeah, exactly. When it was so nice to do things like that, small events. And I thought it would be really fun to connect with them and maybe make a few recipes that they use that we might be able to have at home during these special times. And one of the kind of goals was to see if we could find a little bit more out about what it means to cook a event type celebration, really fancy dinner at home and what you might be able to do for that. I thought this was a perfect idea, maybe a little too late for Christmas, but we've got all that time between Christmas and New Year's. Mm-hmm. Sure as heck shouldn't be going out, aren't going out. Yeah. Wouldn't it be fun to have a fun celebration New Year's Eve dinner or pre-New Year's Eve? Maybe um, maybe do something on the 28th because you don't have anything else to do and you're staying home. Exactly. And I was <laughs> even thinking like all the way out to February for Valentine's oh Day. Oh my gosh, right. I mean, there's just kind of... We're kind this of is this. actually a good Valentine's Day. It would be. What we made today, it would be yeah. a good Valentine's Day mm-hmm. dinner. You're right. Right. So this is just kind of the time of year too where I think I've got a lot of... Um, really, I'm... Um, cooking some very easy yeah. food right now for mm-hmm. dinners. So <laughs> it's fun to mix it up a little bit. Okay. So we did kind of follow our general theme here and I've got three different recipes to discuss. And what we did is that we thought at first, maybe we'd have like an outdoor dinner party or we'd try to figure out some mm-hmm. COVID safe thing. But in the end we just had um, our friends Rhea and Grant give us the recipes. Ryan and I made them and we're going to chat with them in a little bit about just, you know, how it went. So, yeah, I'm so excited to hear this because I wasn't able to participate. I was all de- down in Sparta and so I wasn't able to come up. And so I can't wait to hear how it went and how your fancy recipes did. No, we okay. haven't told people what you made. So what would yes. you end up making? Okay. So we made pan seared duck breast with English pea puree and roasted sunchokes. Mm. And this is a recipe grant with his his pop-up is called grant me food wrote for us which is just i'm very excited about it Ooh, and an it's exclusive his, mm-hmm, it's his like kind of first first date meal that he likes to make Ooh. Mm-hmm. now married you'll hear from both he and Maria, <laughs> but this is There's like this, how many first dates is this guy going on this is the one that sealed the deal she'll say oh. this uh the, <laughs> the pan seared duck breast so we were very so he wrote it up for us and i was very happy to try to make it too That's so cute. i know it's my first time making duck so it was fun it's, it's funny because there's plating instructions, and I oh. thought, whoa, is this going to be too much? But it wasn't. Um, so really what you do is I went to the DeCamp Farmer's Market, and I got myself some duck breasts. 
I had Ryan did a little like cross hatch on the skin. Mm-hmm. We flavored it with a little dusting. I'll um, tell you what was in here: star anise, dried ginger, black pepper, cinnamon, dried orange peel, nutmeg. Kind of those warming mm, flavors. Yeah. And then that sits on top of a um, mint and pea puree. So it's like just, or frozen peas, mint, cream. Use my stick blender. Nice. In there. Just zoom it right up. Yep. Yum. Real easy. And then the kind of side with sunchokes, couldn't find those. Use parsnips. Oh, yum. Totally fine. You're going to dice those up into what he calls like a marble size. So oh. sort of a smallish dice. Okay. You know, like like a baby potato, like a baby. Yep. And those went in to kind of roast with some garlic, smoked paprika, onion powder, olive oil. Yum. Real simple. Nothing about this is terribly complicated at this point. No, nothing is complicated. So I made the um, parsnips, made the mint puree, and then we went in for the duck breasts. Yeah. Because that was the big. That's intense. Can we do this or not? That's a bit of an expensive cut. So you got to kind of. Yes. Right. Um. Thankfully, Grant and Rhea kind of were like, gave us this tip for how to not mess this up. Which, um, like, which, good. Because I'd be good. terrified. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so you actually want to have your pan lower than I initially thought the heat on it, right? Mm. So I was going in, I have an electric stove, and I was going in at like a five, five and a half. Yeah, you're coming in hot. Too hot. Oh. Too hot. That yeah. was like, we needed to be down at like a three, 3.5 to do oh, this well. And I don't like know if, render the fat out? Yeah. Got it. So when I was up at like that five, five and a half, that was like, we were getting a um, dark, the, the skin on the duck mm. breast was kind of mm-hmm. burning before mm. we cooked enough through. Yeah. Uh, and also my duck breasts were a little bit thick. So that took yep. that into account too, right? So my, my first two were pretty dark, but then we turned it down to that three, three and a half. And they were like perfectly golden brown, delicious. You do that for like seven or eight minutes. I actually set a timer. It was pretty accurate. Smart. And I flip it three three to four minutes and um, they were done. And we just sliced so them quick. up. Yeah. And they just had that like rich, delicious yeah. taste, right? Fancy tasting. Mm-hmm. We also made with this, which I was the second kind of recipe, our um latkes in duck fat Ooh, one of my favorite recipes or excuse me one of my favorite restaurants in portland maine does mm. fries in duck fat and they're just like rich but like extra crispy it tastes like and extra potatoey so good yes this so we'll post this recipe too we'll post all these of course on the website was lakanda's duck fat fried latkes with a uh, quince conserva which I made with apples and pears, but yeah. you know, it's good. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of, you know, what you would expect, your normal locker recipe. And I actually, so I bought a little bit of duck fat, but I almost didn't need to because I was pouring off the right. duck fat from the duck breast. There was more than enough mm. to pour off over into my frying pan with the latkes situation yeah, yeah. there. So um, that, that duck fat is like liquid gold. Is I saved it, Good for um, you. which you know you should do in my little containers, which is great. We actually made more latkes the next morning. I have yes. had probably too many duck fat. <laughs> um, <laughs> is that a thing? Is, yeah. are, is there such a thing as too many duck fat? I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, it was amazing. We watched some like um, holiday movies on Netflix mm. and had them for brunch because. Maida said, like, can we just do those again? And I was what like, a dream. Yes, we can just do those again. <laughs> Let's just 
do yeah. that again. Go you figure, know? go home. It's the holidays. Yeah, yeah. So that was kind of the meal was the the plated duck mm-hmm. breast on top of the peas with the parsnips and then kind of a side sort Ugh. of dish snacking thing of the so jealous with the um, I'm gonna have to make this or something. Pear and applesauce it was just really, really delicious. I have to find a first date that's worthy of it. Yes. You know, you don't want to yes. waste a duck braid breast. No. Waste a duck breast on someone not worthy. Agreed. We'll have to, we'll have to vetting process. But it would make a really good, um, I love your idea for a Valentine's Day in because mm. um, mm-hmm. it also it made me very nervous because I was not sure. Uh, I, I do almost everything family style. Um, right. Just even when I have people over, everything, I just am like more comfortable in a family style. Yeah, like, of course. Serving. Sure. Um, well, it's not a restaurant. You're not plating things. No, I'm not plating things. But it was actually really fun though to have the like to dollop the like if you make it special like it made it feel like you Mm -hmm. were well I think we're all just like (sighs) craving the restaurant experience right now yeah so to have have a plated food yeah it seems so luxurious it does (laughs) it was just like like, nine months ago I'd have been like why do I want to do that I can go to a restaurant and do it now you're like this looks so pretty. So I get it. I Delicious. get it. It's like, yeah. So for the final um, kind of finale. This, this was a finale, Betsy. It was a finale. And I, I cannot believe you did this. I think the key here is that I did not know what I did not know. Yeah. Otherwise, I may not have done it. So I. No one's going to believe you did this. No. Yeah. It's going to. It's And it was a journey. So let me. Um, I think another hint would be for those of you who follow Great British Bake Off. Mm-hmm. You may know what a technical challenge <laughs> this dessert is. Oh man! So the um, Ria, who Ria and Grant kind of run this together, and she sent me this recipe and said, "You know, I've always thought, I've always looked at this thing, this recipe here, and thought, wouldn't that be a fun thing to try?" And it is. Potasserie makes perfects, entremont. <gasps> and I was like, "Okay, I'll try that." Um, and this is the chocolate orange entremont. And so for those of you who don't know, and we're yes. obsessively watching Great British Bake Off, like me and you, but like, I think I, no, I, I watch little, it not I, obsessively. I, okay. I watch well, it like, uh, like a normal person. Yeah. Like, well, let's just kind of watch this and. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think you and I are having different experiences, which yeah. is not shocking. So an entremont is a layered dessert. It's chocolate mousse. Has a little bit of cake in there, usually um, a Genoise or Dacroix cake in there. And then it's like layers of layers, maybe a praline. Imagine all these different beautiful layers that are in a ring mold. And then you freeze it or refrigerate it. Mm-hmm. And then you put a glaze over the top, usually a shiny as you can get it. So if it's a um, chocolate glaze, it's this beautiful, ch- or a mirror glaze, and then maybe some perfectly candied hazelnuts on top or something. That is what an entremonde is. It's supposed to be a very complicated. Is <laughs> when you told me you were doing this, I was like, oh. Also, the person who consistently yells at me when we don't do one bowl cakes right, for right, our dinner right. parties is like, on my own, I'm going to do an entremonde. I was like, cool, 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 cool. cool. <laughs> So tell people how right. this went, because right. I think I saw the pictures. It was gorgeous, Betsy. Yes, amazing I, job. I will post the pictures, but I'll tell you how this went, and then we'll post obviously post this recipe. But she, the woman who wrote this, um, is a great. I follow her on Instagram now, and she's really fun. And one of the things she recommends is watching her Instagram lives and Instagram stories about making putting this together before mm. you attempt it, which was super helpful. I did that. 
So she says make it over the course of like a couple of days. Which makes sense. Which makes sense. So she kind of breaks it down for you. So what she has you do is make the curd first and then you put that in some saran wrap and then you kind of freeze it. Mm. And then you make like the glaze and put it in your fridge. And then you make... Make all the parts. All the parts. And then finally you put it together when you have the mousse. And then the whole thing gets frozen. That makes sense. So that's kind of how she describes it. I was like a little bit late on the game to do this. So I had to make a couple parts all at the same time, but it was fine. I'll tell you what I did though, because it was a little bit wacky. So she, one of her things on her Instagram live was to not go out and buy yourself a whole bunch of pastry molds and rings and all this kind of stuff. Very quickly. Yeah. And she said, I use this 20 inch ring and that's what my, um, or 20 centimeter ring. And that's what my thing looks, you know, is written Mm -hmm. for. And I was looking in my own cupboards, and I ended up using my springform pan. So smart. And my eight and nine inch rounds to make this. Yeah. Right? Perfect. And so that way I didn't buy anything new, which Mm -hmm. was great, because who knows if I'm going to do this again. But I didn't want to be crazy about this. Right. Um, So I started to make the orange curd. It did, like, get a little grainy on me. Which mm. I was not going to remake it because sure. it felt like such an investment of time and stuff anyways at that point. A little Googling. Definitely took my immersion stick blender to it. Yep. Smart. Solved. Totally great. Made that. Put it in the saran wrap in the mold. Threw it in the fridge. And then at that point, though, I was like, well, you know, I've got this microwave lemon curd that I really like. I, I should have just used that here. Right. right? Like, I'm like... I have these recipes that I, I know that I and can be successful with. So um, next up was the, the cake layer. Yeah. And I was looking at it, and it looked terrifying. It was like, <laughs> hold your eggs and butter over some boiling water. Oh, and wow, yeah. Whisk mm-hmm. it up. I don't even know what was going yeah. on. Yeah, a little Genoise cake. They're intense. Oh. They're intense. So I said... Mm. I'm going to get my snacking cake book out. This is a stroke of brilliance. I can't believe you did this. I never would have thought of this. When you told me, you were like, so I just put a snacking cake in there. I was like, you know what? Dude. Good for you. Good for you. I know how to make a vanilla. Like, I'm doing this. Leaveners were invented for a reason. Yes. Yes. Just use them. I was like, this is what this recipe is missing. (laughs) Is a leavener. Is a leavener. And so I was like, I got that. I'm going to do this. I am not a French pastry chef. Yeah. Who needs it? This is not, you know, like I have not trained for eight years yeah. to do this. I mm-hmm. cannot. I'm going to I'm gonna use some baking powder. And so I made that. Perfect, right? Because those cakes are amazing. They always turn out. Love that. And then, so that was, then I had to make, I didn't, I couldn't find any praline paste because that's like not a thing in the U.S. No. So I did, though, find online and it worked out pretty well as you can get some hazelnuts and then you can make yourself a little caramel um, oh, sure. with water and sugar. And just buzz it up. And just buzz it up. We let it... Um, like cool, flat, right? So it makes little shards. Then you put it in your food processor and buzz it up. That was our praline layer with Yum. some milk chocolate melted with the mm. microwave, not over the double boiler. Right, no one needs that. You know, no one's got time for that. Made that. That was kind of easy. And then because it was just food processing, really. Yeah. And then um, the mousse also looking a little bit crazy. And then mm. I kept reading online like. Your mousse is going to break. It's going to do this, and it's going to do that, and it's going to seize up, and it's going to... And I was like, well, we are not doing this. So I looked, and once upon a chef, who is someone we really like, super reliable, has a fail-proof mousse that uses cream of tartar. Love that. 
Another assist. Better cooking through science. <laughs> yes. You know what? Who needs it? Oh, for sure he's a stabilizer. Yeah. No one needs to be sobbing over a broken moose yes. yes. in step 12 of an entremont. No one oh needs that. Gosh. And she has you start out in the microwave, you know, with your microwaving yeah. your chocolate, okay. mixing in the butter. So good. Using your mixer to yeah. like, whip the eggs with the cream of tartar so nothing mm-hmm. collapses or separates or anything. I mean, I think you... I think you'd have a hard time messing that mousse up. I yeah, mean, it was like that's it, good to know. Put that in your back pocket. Yeah, made that mousse. I actually used um, double her recipe to mm-hmm. get. We'll put that in the notes, but kind of comparing the recipes to see if the measurements were about the same. Right when I was sure. making the swaps, like the sure volume, the volume was mm-hmm. about the same. So her the mousse needed to be doubled to fit in that giant springform pan to make. That's a lot. That's a big for twelve. That's right? a big pan. Yeah, a lot of mousse. But once we got that done. Threw that snacking cake in the bottom. There you go. Layered Away it up. We go. Put the mousse on. Yum. Froze it. And I mean, after that, it was pretty easy. So the gel, the um, glaze. Mm-hmm. I did. It's a dark chocolate glaze. It was really pretty. Oh. I did have to give it like a little assist with my spatula to get it over the edge. Well, you know, you know. I think the professionals probably have to do that. I mean, my goodness. I know. I just, but it didn't. Um, one of the things she says is that you want to get it really frozen. That's why you can keep that cake, that like little together yeah. hockey puck, giant hockey puck, in your freezer for like a week or however long. Oh. Because when you pour the glaze over, what's going to get you in trouble is if that's not totally frozen. Ooh, and then you got a puddle. And then you have a puddle. All your hard work is. Oh, that sounds crushing. Bad. Also, I'm just thinking like Valentine's Day, you do that all the week before. You totally could. Just yeah. do the week before and then you bring out this... This spectacular dessert. You get this. What's yeah. not to love? I know. And you can just, and then at the very last, you know, the kind of the day of, you do the glaze and then it goes in the fridge. So it can kind of defaw a little bit in the fridge uh, with the glaze on. So really, but you can make the glaze five days ahead of time. Right. So all you're doing is pouring that on. Yeah. There we Congrats. go. Congrats. Everyone loved it. You told me. Yes. We sliced into it and I was like, oh, who knows? But it's it's kind of nice because it is one of those cakes where you can kind of tell if you're on the right track because you can take like a little like little bit of the curd, yeah, a little bit of the mousse. Right, right, right. You can you're do like, a little taste. You're cutting edges off the sure. cake. You're tasting the cake a little bit, and you know you're sort of on the right track. So awesome. I thought that was good too. Well, that is so fun. I'm glad you had a good time. Sounds yeah. like it was a lot of work. But I'm really excited to hear also from Grant and Rhea about yes. their recipes and what they do. So yes. let's uh, let's listen to that. Okay, Grant and Rhea, we are so happy to have you here. Welcome to the Dinner Sisters podcast. Thank you. We're really happy to be here. We are going to talk today about your, would you describe it as a pop-up dinner party? What is what is Grant Me Food? Tell me a little bit about this. How did this start? What do you all do? Obviously not yeah. COVID time. Yeah, we tend to call it a, a, a pop-up supper club, sort of. Uh, supper club is generally the phrase we use. Um, so I used to work uh, as a as a professional in the industry. I went to culinary school and then worked for some very, uh, very hoity-toity chefs um, and then eventually decided to get out of the industry because, uh, you know, it, it can be a really tough industry to be in. Hours are long, uh, grueling work, and, and the pay is, is pretty paltry at times. So my hat goes off to people who still do that. But, you know, I ended up pursuing another career track. And, you know, cooking is something that was just in my soul. It was something that I wanted to do uh, all the time, and it, it's a passion. And so I, I really missed 
doing it day in and day out and getting to, you know, continually refine my skills. And then I miss cooking for people. You know, it's sort of this, this innate drive uh, in me to serve people food. So uh, I just started doing kind of pop-up dinners for friends where I would have six friends over, everybody would chip in some cash. Um, and I do anywhere from three to five or six courses and pair wines and all that stuff. And, and, uh, and then eventually somebody said, you should do this publicly. You should open this up. So I did. And I opened it up publicly and we started selling tickets and it's just kind of continued on. And then I met my wife, Rhea, and, you know, she's a very talented, talented cook in the kitchen as well. And so we figured out how to work together. And, you know, there was some, some growing pains here and there, you know, <laughs> between my slight micromanagement and, and stuff like that. But, you know, we, uh, we've managed to grow this thing and it's now become a couple's activity and we have so much fun. And not only that, but actually we've um, started recruiting other staff too in the last like couple of years since we started doing this. So one of my good friends at the CDC, who's actually a veterinarian, was helping us do dishes before the COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic hit. And we would always joke with our guests that she was the most overqualified dishwasher on the planet. Right. <laughs> I Yes, we should say that, Rhea, you and I know each other because you... Also, tell us what you do with the CDC. Longtime listeners know that Ryan, my husband, is at CDC, and he works with Rhea, and that's how we know each other. So by profession, you are? Yeah. So by profession, I'm a doctoral epidemiologist, and I work in the One Health office. Um, But since January, I've been working on COVID-19 as part of the emergency response that CDC has. And also a very accomplished home cook. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I I don't know. I've learned a lot from Grant, obviously. I started just kind of loving food. My parents were tremendous home cooks themselves. And um, I, when I moved out of their house in college, I needed to learn how to cook at their level because I just couldn't do the ramen noodles and mac and cheese. So started getting my game on and took it pretty seriously for for a while. So we talked a little bit about the menu you all sent over that we made at home, Ryan and I made at home, which was amazing. The duck and the sunchokes, which I use the parsnips. We talked about that and the pea puree and all of that. And I thought one thing that might be interesting is talking about how you all decide on a menu and what you think works at home, like cooking in a home kitchen, cooking for either guests, which we might be doing in the next six months, nine months, hopefully, knock on wood. Uh, or if you're just cooking a small uh, celebration, because I know we have birthdays and anniversaries and Valentine's Day and lots of different things that we're trying to celebrate at home. And I think a lot of us have some go-to recipes. But if you want to branch out, what what do you all look for when you're cooking these kind of dinner parties? What transfers well to a home setting versus something where you're just like, you know what, forget it. Just get that when you go out. Yeah, that's actually something that I've been thinking a lot about recently because since meeting Grant, I've seen that so much of the things that um, folks in restaurant are making, you can make at home on kind of a scaled down scale. So for example, I don't think I ever want to eat another steak at a restaurant anymore because I know that we can have a steak that's comparable or oftentimes better than what we have at a restaurant. And steak feels luxurious. And once you learn how to cook it properly, it's really easy and pretty straightforward. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, for me, a, a lot of people think about, you know, going out to a restaurant and you tend to see uh, dishes with lots of ingredients and, you know, lavish items and stuff like that. And, and I think that the hardest part uh, to translate is some of those fancy garnishes and, and, and really complex things that, that take days of, of preparation that, you know, in a restaurant, they'll have a staff of people and everybody takes, you know, a different, a different person might take a different part of that dish and a different complex element. And then it all comes together, uh, you know, in harmony. And I think that a lot of that can be done uh, at home. Um, it, it's a little more challenging sometimes to make certain items at a, in a smaller quantity you know, things just don't translate as well to smaller quantities sometimes. But, you know, this duck dish is a good example of something that, you know, not a lot of people tend to cook duck at home. But I, you know, I, I don't know any friends who really cook duck at home. But it's something that I see on menus. Um, and, and it can be a little daunting for somebody to think like, oh, how do I cook duck? You know, that seems like a kind of a foreign thing. But, you know, it's just about breaking it down, uh, understanding the item, understanding the ingredient thinking about, you know, what other flavors are going to go well with it. Um, and I find that to do that, I look at restaurant menus. I'll go look online at some of my favorite restaurants that I'm currently missing and see what they were serving or what they are serving, you know, the ones that, that are, are, are luckily still open. You know, and I'll kind of pick and choose items from there and, yeah, try to come up with some ideas that, that we can do at home. So I'm so curious because we talked about this a little bit offline, but you all have a pretty well-stocked home kitchen. Not saying everyone needs this stuff, but what do you have in your home kitchen appliance-wise? Because we t- we do talk about appliances and like how you stock your kitchen. For instance, I have a KitchenAid mixer. I have an Instant Pot and then like my oven and an air fryer. But I feel like you all are sort of next level in the way that you are <laughs> outfitting your kitchen. So I would be very curious to hear um, what the Grant and Rhea home kitchen looks like set up. We definitely have a lot of gadgets. Yeah, th- I think the real answer to that is what <laughs> don't we have? <laughs> but OK, if I had to recommend just a couple of things that we use all the time. So if you're in love with baking the way I am a stand mixer will do you so well. I use our stand mixer probably weekly um, for baking things. And, you know, nobody has time to knead dough by hand anymore. Like we can use a stand mixer for that these days. And then another good one is the sous vide. This is something that I had no experience with before meeting Grant, but it's basically just imagine an enormous Tupperware that you can fill with water And then there's something called an immersion circulator, which you insert into that Tupperware. And it's going to heat your water to a very specific temperature. And it allows you to cook foods to an exact temperature. So it's a very exacting method of cooking. Um, And if you feel like investing in something like a sous vide, you can get really precise cooks on um, things that, you know, seem complicated in restaurants, but really aren't with the right equipment. Yeah. You just vacuum seal. You can get like a little vac saver, home vacuum seal, or now there's devices that uh, they are actually reusable vacuum bags that have a little hand pump on them. Um, and you can, you know, you put the items in a, in a plastic bag because you don't want to put, you know, the items directly in the water. If you want to do fish. Fish is a good example. Um, one thing I love to do sous vide is I take some salmon, throw some lemon, dill, capers, and a little bit of olive oil or butter in the bag and vacuum seal it. 
and put it in that water bath at about 130 degrees for about an hour. And you just get this wonderful, perfectly cooked fish. And all those flavors have just kind of infused their way into that fish. And that's something that that general technique you can use for steaks doing you know, cook a steak to the perfect temperature and then finish it off on a hot grill or a hot pan or something like that just to put some color on it or you know pork and duck is a good one when i do duck i typically do duck sous vide and then sear it to, to crisp up the fat cap you know vegetables and eggs are fun to, i mean it, it's it's such a great cooking technique that, that can really kind of expand your tool belt um, of what you have mm-hmm. Another thing that that is a bit of a splurge for a lot of people because it's not a cheap item to have, but a Vitamix. So a, a, yes. a, a Vitamix is awesome. So, you know, you think like, well, I've got a blender. Well, a Vitamix is like a blender on steroids. It's crazy. Um, when, you know, when I do purees or sauces or anything that I really want to like get some power on and, and whiz up, the Vitamix it does such a good job. It's better than any other blender I've ever used. And now I think there's other brands that are doing a good job, like Blendtec is, an, is another brand that does a pretty good job. But, you know, I'll mill spices in it. I mean, I just I use it so often. I probably use that once or twice a week at least as well. It's another very key item for us. So when you are cooking for your supper clubs, this is out of your home kitchen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So all of this is coming right out of your kitchen kind of with with the tools that you have on hand. Yep. So we are very fortunate that we have a very large kitchen with with lots of space. <laughs> and so we have plenty of room to kind of set things up. But, you know, we'll we'll start cooking three or four days out, uh, maybe even earlier than that. If something is, you know, needs to be cured and, and, you know, some long prep items. But, yeah, it's usually our our cook time starts the week before. So for the really long prep things, like if we're doing fermentations or anything that needs to cure, we'll start. So usually the week of the supper club is kind of nightmarish because we'll work our full-time day jobs and then start cooking in the evening. But we're masochistic and have a weird (laughs) couples activity. Yeah, it can definitely feel a little masochistic at times because, you know, we... Usually Thursday night, Friday night, and then our, our dinner club, have our supper club happens on Saturday evenings is when we usually do it. Mm-hmm. So Thursday night and Friday night are like, okay, we're up cooking till midnight or one o'clock in the morning. And then we get up at seven or 8 a.m. on Saturday and then it's all day long. You're cooking and you're trying to run out to shop for last minute items and it's it can be intense, but it's... Usually we look at each other a couple times the day of the supper club and we're like, why do we do this? again but then you get through it and you see how happy people are and how much they've enjoyed what you've made and you know they're all thanking you for something special and then you realize why well i'll say i had like a small microcosm of that when i made the duck breast because i at one point was like ah going to find these duck breasts versus just going to Publix to get some chicken right or something like that or pulling something out of the freezer there's always that kind of like, is this going to be worth it? And then you have it and it's lovely and you forget what a simple joy cooking can be and, and how that can communicate. And it feels like a very basic human joy, which I get. Sometimes it can just be a little bit of a struggle to get there. And you know what? And that's been the hard thing about this pandemic. And the thing that we miss the most is just being able to share food with someone who enjoys it too. But I think what you mentioned about, you know, just 
enjoying cooking and and falling back to, you know, if you have a passion for it, make, making sure you fall back to that passion. I think that's most important. Um, uh, when you're doing a big menu or, you know, when you might be stressed about something, you're going outside of your comfort zone. Just remember that it's just dinner and, you know, fall back on, hey, this is something I enjoy and relax, have a glass of wine while you cook if you need to, you know, whatever, whatever helps you to, you know, to get in the moment and and just enjoy it. And if things don't turn out perfectly, you know, we'll beat ourselves up for that because, you know, we we try to deliver uh, a certain standard of, of, of quality. And I, I'm maybe I'm a little bit more guilty of this than, than Rhea is because I have such a, a, a professional background in it. But, you know, you got to learn to let things go when they don't turn out perfect. And, you know, you can always make them again and try it again. And you'll learn from, you know, your mistakes and make it even more delicious the next time. Yeah. Speaking of, so that leads us into our next, my next question here, which is, do you have any good tips and tricks for celebrating at home? Like what makes a night special or how do you make being at home and having a really special meal at home feel different than Wednesday night chili mac? Yeah, that's a great question, Betsy. Um, so we've, you know, had to struggle through this year not having the social aspect of our supper club anymore. And we've had a couple times where we really wanted to have these special dinners and kind of grappled with the same thing is how do you make it feel special? Um, I think one of the things that I did not realize before meeting Grant was learning how to put things on a plate can really change the way that you feel about them. So, you know, I was used to just taking a delicious but hideous looking Indian curry and kind of throwing it on a plate and throwing a naan at you and calling it a day. But Grant has taught me, you know, you can elevate something that's simple even if you just learn how to plate it in a way that's appealing. So not just slopping it on a plate, but, you know, and there's so much out there in terms of, um, how you can learn to play, um, to go from and Instagram is a great place because it's such a visual social media platform, but just learning the basics of what looks nice can make something humble, just feel special. Yeah. You could take, you know, uh, chicken, mashed potatoes and green beans, just something very seemingly pedestrian. And, you know, you could take a little dollop of the mashed potatoes and then kind of push it across the plate with, with the spoon and it, you know, it gives it this kind of swoop look and then you slice the chicken and you gently set it on top and then put a, you know, creative little leaned pile of green beans on the side of that. And, you know, if you have a little, you know, some chives or something to sprinkle over top, you know, herbs or even just some fresh cracked pepper or something like that. And now you've got this really great looking dish that even, even again, if it's something that you think is just like another weeknight meal, hey, I pulled the chicken out of the freezer and I microwaved the, you know, the potatoes or whatever it was, you can absolutely make things that, that are, are not complicated, look gorgeous and look more appealing. And, you know, there, there's this old phrase that you eat with your eyes, you know, and, and I think that's very true. You know, as, as, much as, as much as I will absolutely dig in on a dirty curry and some non-slopped in a plate because Rhea's curries are insane. She made one last night and I had it for lunch again. It's, it's so good. You know, I, I'm, I'm all about that. But, you know, when you see a dish that is plated well and it's composed and it's got a little garnish and, it, you know, again, it could be something very simple. It makes you want to eat it more. 
It makes you just want to, oh, this is gorgeous. I want to dig into that. And actually, I think it makes you take your time with it a little bit more too, which is just an interesting psychological tweak. I think so too, because um, as longtime listeners will know, this seems um, like something I might not be into because I (laughs) usually really complain about things that uh, are fussy generally. And I was so surprised. I'll be honest with you. I was because we made this sort of multi-course thing and I did plate everything up and I made the kind of more complicated dessert. And when we started this, there's a, a quote, if you can't get out of it, get into it. And that's kind of how I felt about home cooking at that time, because I needed to do this multiple times a week. And I didn't really like it. Ryan didn't really like it, but someone needed to like it and figure this out. And I feel like we sort of came to this as I was making this duck and the cake and doing this whole thing and play actually plating the duck. I, I did have sort of an aha moment there where I was like, you know, it's, it's nice. This, this, this took me, I mean, if you time this on a timer, this probably took me less than two minutes to do this. (laughs) to slice things up and put it and it's just a way um it is i think like a psychological it just makes you kind of look at the world a little bit differently and helps you maybe get out of that headspace that you're in and i think with covid right now those little things can actually turn just like eating in front of the TV again, even if it's the exact same meal, like you're saying with the chicken, right? The chicken and the green beans and the mashed potatoes. If instead of like putting it on your plate and eating it in front of the TV, you kind of did what Grant did and ate at your table, you would probably feel totally different at the end of the night. Yeah. And you've, you know, you've spent all that time cooking it, you know, take the extra little bit of time just to take it to the next step and make it a little more elevated by just arranging on the plate. You're not, you know, the level of effort to do that is not significant. It's just a, you know, an extra 30 seconds to a minute for each plate to organize everything there. And it's a very budget friendly way to, to have a celebration at home too. Right. Absolutely. So this is like saying not everything that is celebratory has to be expensive. And I like have to be lobster and caviar and truffles and no. Yeah. Like, celebrating or having or making something special really comes more with the intent and the, and you can do it with, with that instead of doing it with expensive ingredients, which is what we kind of, or complicated recipes, right? Like I think some of us really have that as a sort of a mental block. Like if I'm going to celebrate at home, it has to be a complicated recipe with expensive ingredients and it will probably overwhelm me. And there's a kind of a high chance of failure, yeah, that 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 yeah. does not have to be the case at all. So one one of our favorite things to do, um, or well, one of my favorite things to do, is I like to take seemingly pedestrian ingredients and treat them um, like you would something much more expensive, and go through you know more of a, a laborious cooking process to elevate the item. You know, one of the examples I always use is carrots. You know, I might cook carrots and and do you know like i'll put them in a vacuum bag and sous vide them with you know some spices and other ingredients in there and then i'll take that out once they're cooked through and i'll finish them on the grill and char the exterior of them and serve them with a really beautiful sauce that's you know just something fairly simple and it's just a carrot but if you treat you know seemingly simple ingredients or what are simple ingredients with love and care 
they can really astound you and they can be just as good as the lobster truffle caviar steak era of, 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 you know, what is considered luxurious and gourmet. Well, I am happy about this because I feel like we covered both how to maybe splurge a little bit on something like the duck breast or like Rhea was saying, you can make a really wonderful steak at home and still have that be pretty budget friendly compared to maybe going out. And then on the flip side, you can also just treat yourself by plating your food in a way and just, you know, that's taking care with simple ingredients and and how you present it, which I think is really just a lovely idea that we can all take with us towards as we, as we move into the end stage, knock on wood again of this pandemic (laughs) and hope for the return of the supper clubs and everything else. Um, So before we go, I always like to ask people who is really lighting you up in the kitchen? Who are you kind of drawing inspiration from who are you reading? Who are you, who are you looking at these days? A big one for me uh, that I've had lately is Naomi Pomeroy. Um, as a chef, she released a book called Taste and Technique. And it, I, 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 if I remember correctly, the concept of the book is kind of, you know, to, to kind of guide you through a number of different techniques and introduce you to those techniques and flavors through a series of recipes. But I think her recipes are really creative. Um, and we cook, I've probably cooked five or six of, of her recipes or various, very, you know, variations of those. And, and that's been really, uh, really enjoyable. And then for me, I think I would say David Chang. So he's a restaurant owner and um, he has a couple different cookbooks, but he's not like the rest of the fuddy-duddy chefs that uh, Grant reads a lot of. Um, (laughs) Not just this really wonderful conscious voice in his recipes and they're goofy and he starts with like jokes at the beginning and it makes it feel a lot more approachable, you know, like he'll say he's got this chicken wing recipe where he's like, if you want a really good chicken wing and you want to spend 36 hours on it, here you go. So I've, I've had a good time reading some of his books, especially because I love Korean flavors. We both love Korean flavors. It's one of our favorite cultural food types. Um, So he's been great to listen to. Nice. And if we want to follow you, get on the email list, get updated about when the supper club's starting up again. Do you all have plans for that? I mean, it's like just follow, follow you on Instagram and get on, get an email list or what's the, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, that's, that's probably going to be the best way is following us on Instagram uh, at grant me food. We are going to start the supper club back uh, as soon as it makes sense, which is kind of an obscure answer. I know, but you know, uh, being as, as Rhea works on COVID, we're, you know, we're hyper aware of, you know, A, exposing ourselves, but B, exposing other people, um, both, you know, to us, to each other at the table. Um, you know, we want to make sure that when we do finally resume uh, our supper club again, that we're doing so in a safe manner. So, you know, fo- follow us on Instagram. You can go to uh, grantmefood.com. We have an email list sign up there uh, where you can get on the email list. We usually send uh, dinner notifications out via email before we post on social. Um, so it's kind of like the, the the cool kids way to get notified before anybody else to be on the email list. Um, and we don't send out spam. It's just uh, notifications about dinner. But yeah, we can't, we cannot wait. We, the, that, that day cannot come soon enough for us. 
There are so, so many things we all are looking forward to. So I'm glad that you were able to share with us though, like a little, a little bit of that magic to help us get through the rest of this. And then we can hopefully rejoin both your supper club and all these wonderful events that were happening. I felt like there's so much of that going on and more of these independent local food opportunities. And it was so nice to see. So looking forward to that happening again at some point in the future. We can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs>